So I'm so excited and so amped up to have my next guest. She is beautiful. She's charismatic. She's um, like, she's such a business mogul. And I think her energy is going to infect you. So I'm very excited to welcome my hilarious sister, Nikita McDaniel. She, um, we met at a really cool business conference in Vegas. And what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, okay? But I'm excited to share with you um, her tips, her thoughts, because she's a very successful real estate investor and coach. And you're going to be blown away by what she's about to say. So welcome, Nikita. Well, thank you, Lele. You are such a doll face. I do appreciate that welcome and that opening. I don't even think of myself that highly. <laughs> I feel like all the smart people, all the smartest people don't think they're smart. And like all the really awesome people don't think that they're awesome. So I think that just speaks to how, how great you are. You know? you know, I think that, you know, I take the modest approach in everything that I do, but as soon as you test me, I'll kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. She kicked our team. Okay. So listeners, okay. We were in a kind of scavenger hunt thing and you guys were in the, Nikita was in the winning team and I was on, yeah, I kind of let, let the team that lost. Right. And you like, you were on fire getting all the pictures done and you were standing on a table and you were, yeah, don't cross Nikita, please. Um, you know, because I am a type of person, you know, I hate to say this, this may come off as a bad quality for people, but I am the type of person who works very well under pressure. It's mm -hmm. almost like I have to get in something mm -hmm. to create something so super fucking outstanding. But when mm -hmm. you just give it to me and I can easily do it, I have less interest for it and in my mm. opinion it comes out fucking mediocre mm. that's so amazing, i work very well under pressure that's awesome that's a great quality to have in a real estate investor as well because you're you're dealing with so many moving parts and yeah. most of them have to make a decision because real estate is cyclical you have to make the right decision at the right time so i'm glad you brought that up you're, you're actually an author as well i read your books called fuck stuck um it's a really great book highly recommend it to you guys um, but can you tell us like, how did you get into real estate? So I got into real estate because I was tired of being a fucking cop. Like I was like, fuck mm -hmm. it. I'm stuck in this government job. I was mm -hmm. sick of working the nine to five shift. I was sick of working on my days off. Mm -hmm. Um, it was just not who I felt I wanted to become. And I was looking at various different ways of getting out of the workforce or the rat race, whatever it is that you want to call it. But mm -hmm. I had two kids at the time, which was so freaking motivating for me because mm -hmm. as a cop, I rarely seen my children. So mm -hmm. one day I had this brilliant idea and it was to quit my job. And I had nothing lined up. It was the stupidest fucking thing I ever did in my life. I had nothing lined up. And I went into my sergeant's office and I told him I quit. Well, his eyes got as big mm -hmm. as beach balls. <sighs> and he said, well, why don't you take a leave of absence? You have time. Like mm -hmm. they didn't really mm -hmm. want me to quit. Right. Um, and that's mm -hmm. really one of the reasons why Baltimore is the way that it is because they hold on to people too long. Uh, and I felt like my season in the police department was up. I'd been there for almost uh, 12 and a half, 13 years. Wow. And I told him that I am quitting and I put my badge and mm -hmm. my service weapon on the table and I mm -hmm. walked out and I never, I never walked back. Well, from there, I walked into the social service building. I got on welfare for a few because I had no way of supporting myself and my family and mm -hmm. I had just quit mm -hmm. and I had nothing but bills. So mm -hmm. as I was tying up my financial piece, um, I realized how much money I'd saved over 13 years. It was a little over $13,000, dollars mm. I took that money, which was part of my pension plan at the time, and they told me I could roll it or I could take it out. But if I took it out, they would penalize me. So guess mm. what? The fucking hard-headed rebel I am, I took it out and they penalized me. And from wow. 13000 I probably walked away with a little over 7800 what? And I took wow. that pension and I reinvested it into real estate. Wow. 
That's incredible. So how, <laughs> what did you spend it on? Yeah, what was your first investment on? My first investment was on a officer next door program. So for those of, for those people who don't know what that is, I had started mm-hmm. investing in real estate probably a second or third year prior to me quitting, but I did not know mm-hmm. I was going to turn it into a business. Mm-hmm. Police officers in Baltimore, they get their properties 50% off. So I had basically gotten this property for a discount and I had, mm-hmm. I had been in the property for three to four years at the time I was exiting the department. Mm-hmm. So I had a shitload of equity in the property. Mm-hmm. And when I decided that I was going to quit, not the first year, but the second year, I flipped that property and turned it into a rental business. And so I rented mm-hmm. it out to um, uh, working class citizens. I rented it out to section eight citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, I just turned it into a rental property and I leveraged that property until I got 17 properties wow and what time span was that in from zero to seven i have been gone from the police department almost 15 years so it's Mm -hmm. been in probably 12 to 13 years wow that's amazing like just that's like a house a year like a little bit more than that basically yeah it is it's so many different ways to acquire real estate there is no one way to do real estate you don't have Mm -hmm. to be licensed you don't know you don't have to know a lot of stuff but what you do have to have is courage you have Mm. to be actively investing or actively working none of this half-ass shit that you hear Mm. on tv that they tell Mm. you you don't need money you don't need this you don't need that see what we have to realize is that real estate is now simply a title for a lot of people they think if you Mm. have a real estate business you have a lot of money But what people don't know is there is a lot of working parts to real estate and there's a lot of money going out of the door. I have more Mm -hmm. equity than sometimes I have cash on hand. Oh, wow. And you have to educate yourself along the way so you know exactly where and what to do when situations and circumstances arise. Mm. That's great. And I'm just curious, how do you make decisions now? Whew. So, um, (laughs) my decision-making skills have enhanced over time. When I first started real estate, I was very emotional. Mm. Um, You know, I, it's a bunch of sharks in real estate. Yes. And uh, fortunately for me, I have a shark side. It automatically Mm -hmm. came because of the people that I had been working with. Mm -hmm. So I was very emotional in the beginning of real estate and I made decisions based off of who I liked, who was nice to me, not necessarily what was going to profit me the most. Mm -hmm. And so in the earlier part of my career, I made a lot of money, but I also got burnt a lot of times. So with the money that I made, I had to pay for those mistakes that I made also, which kept me in a deficit. My business was not stable. As Tom progressed and I progressed, you know, and I got tired of getting my ass kicked and I was really ready to make some money. You know, I started setting my feelings to the side and I got rid of people who I needed to get rid of. And I outsourced the people that I wanted to keep. I made it very clear to anybody who worked with me, I am not a boss. I do not want to micromanage. I'm not interested in being involved. If I give you a task, let's get it done. Let's make the money. Wow. That's incredible. Thank you for saying that because I can relate so much to the emotional side of it. So thank mm-hmm. you for saying that. So um, do you think I should buy high and sell low? It, it, well, I'm going to tell you, I don't practice buying high and selling low. I, it's mm-hmm. the opposite way around for me. Mm-hmm. It is buy low and sell high. Let me tell you something. If you buy high or higher than the mm-hmm. market will allow, then you're mm-hmm. going to definitely sell low, but you're going to run mm-hmm. out of money. Right. You're not going to be able to mm-hmm. reinvest your money into anything else. See, the goal, in my opinion, if you are an investor who is investing in long-term real estate, which I am, and let me tell you why I'm investing in long-term real estate, because I have four kids. Yeah. See, some people mm-hmm. want to continuously flip their way and keep making the big money. But when you are 
operating in that fashion as an investor, you have to take a lot of risk. I have taken a lot of risk, but now I also govern the risk that I take because again, mm -hmm. I work too hard to stabilize this business. That's very mm -hmm. important to me. I have a lot of responsibilities. So mm -hmm. my income streams, I need them to consistently flow. Mm -hmm. If one dry up, I need the other ones to consistently flow. So for me, when I am purchasing property, I purchase lower than the market because my equity spread is greater. So let me give you an mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. Let's say I go to a neighborhood and it's 100,000 market value. Well, I don't want to spend no more than uh, 45 to 65. Mm-hmm. And then once I spend that amount to acquire the property, prior to me actually going to closing, I need to assess how much of repairs I need to put in it. My mm. repair up cost can't be no more than 15 if I buy it at 65. And I don't want and I don't want it to be no more than 20 to 25 if I buy it at 45. Now mm. I'm 60 to 75 grand in, but I got $25,000 in equity. Mm. So if I go to sell it, then I can sell it for maybe 110, 115. I may walk away with 30, 40,000. Man, that's genius. That's one. You're page. so that's smart. One. Yeah. That's one, that's one paycheck. So I'm going to take 30% of that paycheck and I'm going I'm to put it aside. And then I may take a little bit out and do something fun. And I'm going to take the rest and then reinvest it back into another property. And I hope the listeners are taking notes. Because I'm just listening to you. I'm just blown away how like detail oriented and everything is just like, because you live that life, you know, so it's just like, listeners, you guys are just, you guys are just, how do I say this? English is not my first language. So let me think about this. Um, she's giving you the roadmap, guys. And this is just a podcast, right? So imagine what she's going to do when you actually work with her. And it's funny because you're so smart. I can't even ask stupid questions with you because um, it's just, the wisdom that you have is just so awesome. So um, what kind of people do you work with, Nikita? I'm going to tell you, in the beginning of my real estate business, I work with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who had a heartbeat, I was yeah. pumping for them. Do you hear me? I was yeah. pumping for them. I was coming for them. But if you run your business that way, it will run you in the ground. And so mm -hmm. now my standards are very, very um, high when it comes to the clients that I work with, depending upon if I am, in, if I'm selling a property, if I'm renting a property, mm -hmm. if I am working with a buyer, my buyers must be pre-qualified. I have to know that you have access to the money. It may not be mm -hmm. your money. It could be hard money, which is something that a lot of your listeners may not know, but they are investors who are like angel investors. They give you money. They are not traditional banking sources. So there is a lot of risk tied to them. Most of my buying clients go the traditional route, which is with a bank like Bank of America, PNC, those ones that you've heard of. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm working with sellers, sellers have to have um, their, their houses must be um, not in a deficit, meaning that they're not in foreclosure, but I can work with them if they are in foreclosure, but it's a totally different sale approach. But mm -hmm. my... Um, my, 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 the obvious sellers that I work with, let me say this, they are caught up on their payments. They have a price in mind they want to get. Um, I have a consultation with them. We sign an agreement of what they're going to pay me. Mm -hmm. I share with them my expectations. They will put the house on the market. And then if I'm dealing with somebody who is renting a property, they have to make sure they have uh, two deposits in the bank. They have to show proof of those deposits. And then I work with them on properties in their price range. I do mm -hmm. not show people property that they cannot financially manage. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's such and a I good not, guideline. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. And I do not list properties where sellers are living in Never Never Land. They want $500,000 for a property that will only make 200000 You can list it with somebody else. I'm not desperate. Mm guideline um and how do you uh vet out your uh tenants what do you look for in your tenants oh my god i have been through the worst of the worst with tenants so i do 
strong background checks mm -hmm. and credit checks and criminal checks, um, uh, occupation checks. I also check with their last landlord if they're mm -hmm. able to be located. Mm -hmm. um, with the tenants, it really is a luck of the draw. You have to be careful because of discrimination. You can't say, I don't want to work with you because you got five dogs. You can't work with, I don't want to work with you because you got 20 kids. Like, we can't do things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, basically, I price my rentals at mm -hmm. a certain price. So, mm -hmm. from the get-go, the riffraff uh, is not even coming. Mm. <laughs> so, what's a <laughs> worse riffraff? Let's, let's hear riffraff stories. I love, her. I love this. Uh, what's your worst, like, tenant story? Um, my worst tenant story is I had a gentleman, and I'm going to call him a gentleman. That's, that's nicely put. You're being very nice, yeah. You I'm can. being very nice, yeah. <laughs> um, he had a paraplegic wife, and so, mm -hmm. you know, I was really, really um, uh, uh, empath empathetic with them. Mm -hmm. I showed a lot of em empathy. I helped them get everything set up, mm -hmm. gave them a really nice clean spread, always went over to collect my rent when normally I do not go to tenants to collect my rent. It's a mm -hmm. reason for that. Right. But for some reason they couldn't fill out a money order or they didn't know mm -hmm. how to mail a letter. So I went out and got it. And I went over there a couple of times and towards the end of their tenancy, my house was infested with roaches what? and we had to get a hot water heater tank put in and the service guys went in the basement to do it. We cut on the lights. It was like three to 500 roaches running everywhere. Are you serious? Never, oh my God. Ever seen anything like this in my life. And they were pouring feces in my wash tub. Oh my God. So that's probably the dirtiest ratchet um, tenant that I ever had. But trust me, I can sit on this um, podcast and go story mm -hmm. for story. Oh for yeah. Story. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I'm just having even a mental picture picture. That's insane. But who is your best tenants? Let's let's do the flip side. Who who do you love renting to? I love renting to families that are working class citizens. They live everyday lives. They have problems just like we have problems, mm -hmm. but they are respectful. If they run into a issue, they call me right away. Mm -hmm. um, they keep me involved. We touch bases with each other, maybe by email, you know, once every couple of months. Um, mm -hmm. When I go to the house for inspection, because I inspect every quarter, four times a year, the house is nice mm -hmm. and clean and it's nothing, you know, um, specific, but it just looks lived in and it looks like they mm -hmm. appreciate the home ah. that mm -hmm. I, you know, have provided for them. They appreciate it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And you have 17, you know, properties. So um, it's very important. You have to... Yeah, that is insane. That's amazing. So thank you for sharing that with us. No, so, you're welcome. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think a lot of listeners, they want to get into real estate, but they have a lot of barriers. And that's and part of the reason is because it's like, um, I had a question asking you, like, um, because of how... PC the world is, you know, part of the reason why I got to stand up comedy was because I couldn't give advice to people without extreme backlash, right? So I kind of resorted to comedy to look at it. So mm -hmm. um, do you feel like sometimes like your vagina and your skin color interferes with your brain like it does with me? <laughs> well, let me tell you something. My vajayjay, <laughs> she has a mind of her own. Do you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Um, now, as far as my skin color is concerned, I do think that my skin color can get in the way, but I'm going to share with you, mm -hmm. everybody has privilege. Black hmm, people, interesting. white people, yeah, why, why do you say that? People, um, Mexicans, everybody has privilege. And mm -hmm. if we only focus on the seeds that are planted to keep us stuck, mm then we're going to miss opportunities. Yes, I am black mm -hmm. and some people don't like black people. But when I show up and my bold and my, um, you know, um, edgy communicating ways mm -hmm. and some of the things that I wear, I command your attention, your mm -hmm. respect, and I Absolutely. leave an impression mm -hmm. that you will never forget. 
Absolutely. So Thank you're going to say, I might not like black folks, but she, she's the exception. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know you have a good friend. It was funny. Like my mom used to have this Korean renter and she would uh -huh. say like, I hate Koreans, but you're okay. And then he would say, I hate Chinese people, but you're okay. So, you know, they're good <laughs> friends, right? <laughs> yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that because I do feel like the reason why I look up to you so much is because it's like, not only because you're so smart, you're so like fearless in what you do, but like you have a really good perspective. Cause I almost feel like I can't even say it because of like, because I'm an Asian woman, I feel like you have to be a certain race now in America in order to even have an opinion without being persecuted. So right. thank you for saying it that way. So that No, 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 no. Thank you for asking the question because I think that people need to understand whatever career path you choose, whether it's a nine to five, whether it's an investment uh, career path, you need to be you. If you mm -hmm. are going into a territory where you have to be somebody else, it won't work. It may work for a little bit of time, but long-term, it will not survive. It will not last. Mm. It will not stabilize you in a way that you can branch off and build other income streams because you cannot keep up a facade mm. forever. Right. So my question is like, so you also are a coach and that's actually how I met you at a coaches conference. So like, how did you know like coaching was for you? Well, I will tell you, I've always been the go-to gal. People have always came to me for advice. People have always came on to came on. I was going to say came on to me. Wow. Well, we're coming on to <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, sometimes. My sex life and sometimes, be, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't right be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> they would always come to me. Hey, after you know, this podcast, you don't know. Hey, you don't know what's going to happen after this podcast. Maybe. So, yeah, you never know. <laughs> they, would, they would always they would always come to me, you know, just as a listening ear or just a shoulder to cry on. People would open up to me, even when I started renting people out, like I would be having them fill out the application. And before we left my office, they had told me their whole life story. You know, mm. I think yeah. because of my, um, my limitless, my openness mm. and the ability yes. to not be judgmental when people are sharing with me, people feel very comfortable. So yes. Yes, um, I also read a lot and I also call myself out on my own shit. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I'm not the only one going through this shit. Mm -hmm. So I started coaching on Facebook in 2014 mm -hmm. and I hired a coach to help me along the way Mm -hmm. until I got the hang of it. And then I didn't need to have um, a coach shadowing me no more for what I was doing. Mm -hmm. But now I'm not as much as coaching online as I am offline. Mm -hmm. And I work with people who have purchased homes for me or renting homes through me and then sharing with them how to use their home as a leverage or a tool to leverage mm. them into the next business or another stream of income because houses are not supposed to just sit pretty yes. i didn't have mm -hmm. all that money i told you all i started with a little over seventy eight hundred dollars in my real estate business and the money that i made in the beginning i lost a lot of it because i was making stupid mistakes and i was spending like fucking crazy mm -hmm. i had nice 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 shit everything was named brand so i didn't have a lot of disposable cash but mm -hmm. when i started getting myself on track what I was doing was leveraging the properties I had already acquired, meaning I was using that equity to acquire another property, filling mm -hmm. that up with tenants or selling that with somebody, and then using that money maybe to pay off some of the properties mm -hmm. or pay down the properties or turn a property into a multi-unit. Now I got two people that's responsible for the mortgage instead of one. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, houses can help you do a lot of different things. They're not just meant for you to live in. And I try to get this word across because there are so many people who are claiming broke and feeling stuck and they have a house that has equity, but they don't mm. know how to align that with what it is they want to do. And I'm the person that can mm. show them how to do that. That's incredible. So can you share with us some like client results 
um, like after working with you? My clients, uh, let me see, over uh, 13 to 14 years in real estate, I've probably worked with more than a couple thousand people. Mm -hmm. And I am a first time home buying specialist. And I'm mm -hmm. also a uh, rental portfolio specialist when it comes to real estate. So I work with a lot of investors who are building portfolios here in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. I'm licensed in Baltimore. So of course, I, I only work in Baltimore when it comes to my license. And with first time home buyers, I pretty much cultivate a relationship with these people. And a lot of them can tell you, she tells you like it is. You can mm -hmm. go on my Facebook page, and which is Nikita McDaniels, and you will see a lot of um, client testimonies. You can go on my uh, .com, which is fuckstuck.com, and you'll see client testimonies as well. But most people will tell you she's straightforward. Um, if she can help you, she will help you. And if she can't, she'll let you know or refer you to somebody who can. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. So my clients, uh, my, I like to tell people my clients get the keys. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Because I think a lot of realtors kind of leave their clients hanging. Like after you said, it's like, oh, yeah. oh, we're done. We're done. Yeah. What do you think about that? What do you think about the people who kind of leave their clients after everything's done? I want to say this, and I'm glad you asked me this question, Lily. I'm, I mean, Lee Lynn, I'm so glad you asked me this question. People have asked me on consultations, um, well, have you been in the Millionaire's Club? Because some real estate agents or investors been in a uh, million dollar club, and I tell people, nope. Mm -hmm. And they say, hmm, why not? You know, because the first thing they think is you're not good at what you do. I'm so good at what I do that I'm not willing to lie to people. Mm. And if you are in this career of real estate, it's really, to me, it's not about how many people I serve. It mm -hmm. really is about who I serve and the results that they've gotten after the service. And the fact mm -hmm. that I continue to serve them even after they purchase a house. Because yes. I don't want to mm -hmm. have to go out here and chase business. I want my business to be right there in front mm -hmm. of me. So when I sell you a house, when you buy a house from me, when I rent you a house, on the holidays, I'm sending you emails and I'm sending you gifts. Mm. I'm asking you, who do you know? I'm asking you to refer me. They are inviting me to their baby showers. They are inviting wow. me to their weddings. I am now a part of the family. Mm. A lot of the deals that I do because I am a licensed agent and investor don't even mm -hmm. go through agency. Mm. Some deals can't go through agency. So on that note, my brokerage, my brokerage will have no idea, excuse me, no idea of a deal that I'm doing um, in another county or in another state that doesn't require me to have a real estate license because of the type of deal that we're doing. And right. I've met millions of people this way. And these people always call me. I have worked with people as far as Belgium and I'm in Baltimore. Wow. That's amazing. So what were some of like your favorite client stories and like uh, what stands out in your mind? <clears throat> Let's see. What stands out in my mind? You know, estate sales. Estate sales stand out in my mind because people come to you. They're sad. Families mm -hmm. are fighting over yeah. properties. Mm -hmm. And the attorney calls me and say, I want you to sell this house. Mm -hmm. But what they don't tell me is that the sister and the brother are warring. Hmm. And in order for me to sell the house, I have to get the sister and the brother to sign the brokerage agreement. Wow. And I'm calling one and one is talking about the other and I'm calling the other one. And the other is talking about the first one. And at the end of that transaction, they are on speaking terms. Wow. We use the transaction to not only find them a buyer or um, to transfer that property responsibility on to somebody else but we use that transaction to bring together families mm. and it's a really really touching moment to see two people who couldn't stand each other at least shake the hands with one another across the table yeah and if it wasn't for that attorney if it wasn't for me if it wasn't for that new buyer mm -hmm. they may never have spoken to each other again man that Everybody some, wins. Wow. Yeah, that's some deep stuff right there. Like, 
I'm going to ask you after the call because it's like, there's so much good stuff. But um, I think I, it's, it's almost like you're a lawyer. Cause you, I know we talked a little bit when, when we were face to face, like how it was like being a cop. And I can't mm-hmm. even imagine like, cause that, that makes sense. You're so good under pressure. You can negotiate when other people fold, you spring into action. So yeah. thanks for sharing that. Cause I can relate personally to that estate story now. And I mm-hmm. think it should be incredible the work that you do. So um, I want to know from you because you have four kids, you balance <laughs> and coaching. Like I, this is how I feel about millennials. Like I feel like we're scared to buy a home and like, we don't even know where to go. And a lot of people move back home because of that fear. So what would you say to millennials regards to real estate investing? Okay. So you mean buying into real estate? Becoming or anything, investor, yeah, or, just, yeah, or like anything, yeah. What are okay. what advice would you give to your kids? Okay, so what I'm going to say, some people are probably going to their jawbone is going to drop, but I'm going to say it because it needs to be said. Mm-hmm. Yes, please do. Mm-hmm. Housing is too fucking expensive, mm. especially for what the millennials want. The millennials want everything to be touched. <laughs> yeah. They want everything on <laughs> touch mode. <laughs> They want golf courses, they want swimming pools, they want game rooms, they want all of this shit, right? You're right, you're so right. They Uh, want Starbucks to be down the street, they want moms (laughs) to be on the corner, like, they want to be in these, you know, these cities, Yeah. and they want these really upscale homes, and they are very expensive, Mm -hmm. and a lot of millennials have problems buying homes because they're carrying student debt, okay? So my suggestion to a lot of millennials, because I am a Generation Xer, my suggestion is this. You stay your ass home. (laughs) Stay home. I don't care if it's in the basement, if it's in the club room, if it's in the dining room. Stay your ass home. (laughs) Pay off your school debt (laughs) if you can do it. Mm -hmm. Save up at least 20% of the amount of house you want to buy. So mm. if you want to buy a house that's $200,000, I mean, hey, save up 10 grand, you know? Mm-hmm. Your right. closing costs will be a lot more, but you will be a first-time home buyer, so you'll get money towards closing. You can ask mm. the seller for money on top of the money that you have saved. Now, why am I telling you this? Because it keeps your mortgage to a minimum where you can still go out go off and fuck around and if you Mm -hmm. fail because you will fail Mm -hmm. it's not if you will fail you will still have room to improve with not a lot of pressure especially Mm -hmm. if you're not the person that works well under pressure i see a lot of millennials make the mistake of putting their self in debt too early Mm -hmm. i made the mistake that's why i can see it when i see somebody doing it That's such good advice. I think you just saved somebody listening. I don't know who, but I'm sure somebody was saved just from listening to that. Well, my yeah. thing is this. I think more, I, well, because I come from African-American background, I can't speak mm-hmm. for a lot of other cultures, mm-hmm. but our culture, we move out young. Like our person, mm. like get the fuck out. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> get out. <laughs> Asians is like, just stay, stay and take care of us till we die, you know? We're dying together. You know, and then why did you marry? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and I, watch, I watch a lot of my white counterparts, their parents are like, stay too. But I can't help but notice at the closing table of a lot of my white clients, they come with bank. Mm. Like they're putting down checks on their houses and their mortgage, if they have a mortgage at all, Mm-hmm. is not even high and a lot of mm-hmm. my african-americans well let me tell you this it's it, mm-hmm. it, it's there is black americans and african-americans people will argue with me about this but a lot of african-americans i mm-hmm. mean coming from a uh overseas they don't consider mm-hmm. themselves black americans like mm-hmm. they consider us two separate i, I, I listen uh, I, pro- mm-hmm. I promise you people will not people will be upset with me when i say this but they, they, they don't give the same level of respect because a lot of them don't look at us as being smart. Hmm. So, you know, but a lot of, a lot of us in, in, in the States, especially from the culture I come from, mm-hmm. we're getting loans. 
and we're mm. asking for closing help. Yes. And so we're mm-hmm. walking around with these huge fucking mortgage payments on top of the other debt we already have. Mm. The moment we get in trouble, we are digging ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper into the home. I mean, in a hole. Mm-hmm. We're using our homes as banks instead of using our homes as leverage to build the bank. Mm-hmm. And it's a problem, and I get tired of it. I get tired of it. And so, you know, when I talk to people without people getting offended, I'm trying to impart knowledge. I'm trying to impart experience. I'm, I'm trying to impart intuition. I'm not just one of those people who read a book and now I'm just sharing with everyone. I've read books. I'm sharing. I've experienced. I'm mm-hmm. actively still doing this. Mm. every day i'm not part-time i'm full-time mm. and it's so incredible to me how much how amazing you are in business and also in like your because you share a lot about your family as well so the fact that you're so busy and you can do so much stuff and you're living it all it's just amazing to me so well, um i i will tell you that my 20 year old she is an awesome rocket launcher oh my god keeps me going and she helps me out with those children my mom helped me out because i have two smaller children Mm -hmm. and i raised my kids to be very independent so they Mm. do the two little ones help out too Mm. can you tell us like um because your daughters i mean all your children are amazing i think i just know more about your older daughter because um she's Mm -hmm. doing her business um because i feel like the measure of a person's it's it's kind of like their kids because if their kids are amazing you know the parents are amazing right so your daughter's amazing can you tell us more about like how do you raise um how should i say this how do you raise kids like your daughter basically how do you well well, let me tell them just a little bit about my daughter so my daughter is 20 years old and she is a fashion blogger and she also dog sits Mm -hmm. so she called well she she came to me and said mom i want to get a job and i was like fuck no (laughs) <laughs> like like I, I, i'm not i'm not your average parent no mm-hmm. you're yeah. not getting a job now i mm-hmm. know some people would be like mm-hmm. is something wrong with you <laughs> i do not parent like the rest of the parents yeah you definitely do. yeah okay uh. so she, i said you're gonna figure this out what do you want to do and so she wanted to be a veterinarian and of course at this time she's 16 my mm-hmm. kids are homeschooled, okay? They don't go to traditional schooling. What do you think my, about that? What, what, what was the decision behind homeschooling? Well, my decision behind that, Baltimore schools were getting very bad. Kids were getting bullied. Yeah. They were getting uh-huh. jumped. Oh, and I right. was like, oh, mm-hmm. hell no, because I'm going to be in jail. So my kids got to come <laughs> out of school. Right, right. I'll be, be up in there with the same prisoners I put in there 15 years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man, there's so much so, stories. But I want to focus on real estate. But, yeah, please... So I took, I took them out of school and um, Erica found an app called Rover and WAG. And she basically got on these apps and she began to build a clientele of wealthy individuals who needed their dog walked damn near every day except for the weekends or they were going out of town and she stays overnight at their properties. Mm-hmm. She has keys wow. to these people's houses codes to their doors mm. um and these and listen i have never ever 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 seen people treat pets the way that these people treat their pets i mean they treat them better than fucking humans they got their <laughs> own rooms you know it, it was amazing right because i was like this is some bullshit she's not gonna make no money at this and That's then hilarious. what she did was she put me on her account because we had to have background checks Make sure we didn't steal out these rich people houses. And um, we go in there and I'm looking in my mind. I'm like, fuck, she's on to something. Like, she's streamlined yeah. into so many different things. Yeah. We got money, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so she had been doing that for three, four years. She started fashion blogging. She's on sites like um, Poshmark, eBay, Bakari. Um, she has so many different platforms that she's on and she sold a couple high-end things and believe it or not when you spoke of Vegas 
I had met a young lady in Vegas through our coach who still works with my daughter today. Wow. Who is like a multi-millionaire. She ships stuff to our house anywhere from Cartier, Hermes, um, Chanel, wow. all these different brands. And Erica sells them all on these platforms. And for a 20-year-old who's not flipping burgers, not to say there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with it. Right, but come on. Yeah, I, I see your daughter's posts all the time. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I want that bag, you know? It's right, like, I mean, who is, yeah. who is not working a traditional job and bringing home at least per month, bringing home at least fifteen to $3,000 a month. I mean, come on, you can't fucking beat that. That's what some people are making on a twenty-eight dollars to $30,000 a year salary. Mm -hmm. And they're in their 30s and 40s. Yeah. And she's That's 20. Amazing. Yeah, it's good parenting. I really think it's, you know, obviously it's her as well, you know? But right. it's like, if she were placed in a different family, I don't even think she would have gotten the go ahead to even do that. So you know, you know me yeah. either. And you know, my Erica's twenty. I have a twenty-seven year old. He's a cop. Go figure. And he works in Texas. And I never knew he wanted to be a cop, but he's married, no kids. He's a cop in Texas. Mm -hmm. And I have two fireballs, nine and six, and they just have a crazy ass personality. They will not let me age because they're always doing <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And I'm glad you brought the cough story back because I feel like let's, um, actually, I don't want, well, okay. So how do you like negotiate your way out of a ticket? If, if it's possible, <laughs> if it's even possible. <laughs> I have not been successful, maybe because I was in Virginia and North Carolina. They just say, see, that's where my black privilege didn't work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's hilarious so like they do you care <laughs> less about me uh being a cop um i will tell you that baltimore city police officers have, we do not have the honest badge so a lot of us mm. think that they're dirty <laughs> and corrupt so i'm gonna tell you i take my ticket the best way i know how i don't even mention i used to be a cop they may give me uh, three four more tickets but i will <laughs> I will tell you in the past how I have avoided tickets. If I'm, if I'm in Baltimore, mm -hmm. um, most of the cops that pull me over, I know somebody who's still a cop and mm -hmm. I have family members who are cops and we'll have a conversation and then they'll be like, okay, just give me your license and registration to make sure everything's okay. And then mm -hmm. they just don't give me the ticket. We have a cop. Oh, wow. We sit around and, and share cop stories. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh my God. That's hilarious. So like, um, let me think about this. So in terms of like, cause you and I are the same height. We're like, I think we're both pretty much the same height. So uh -huh. how do you command respect as, um, like a minority woman in tough situation? Cause I imagine, cause you kind of told me stuff about, you know, prisoners and like criminals and stuff like that. How do you like command respect, like straight up? Do you have any tips and advice? Leland, I do not command respect physical. I can't beat no fucking man. He'll punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and I have so put it, a many yeah. of I've put a many of men in jail. <laughs> I yeah, how do you deal with that? Yeah. How, um, I, I, I do not I do not command respect physical. I, re I command respect mentally. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, I have yes, to share mm -hmm. this with your audience. Mm -hmm. I never thought I was the prettiest girl growing up. And as I got older, I learned how to use my advantages, use my privileges, mm -hmm. use my intelligence. You yeah. know, where I yeah. would walk into a room and not be the prettiest girl and mm -hmm. other people would be like, why is he with her? Mm. What they didn't realize is there are a lot of people who appreciate intelligent people yes. for a lot of different reasons. Yes. And one yes. of the reasons being the burden is not always on that person. No one wants to think for someone all the time. Absolutely. So mm -hmm. when I am commanding respect or just my general demeanor, mm -hmm. I use my intelligence as a way of building a relationship with people. Mm. 
I add layers of relevancy, but by no means am I getting on another person's level just to acquire a friendship. Mm. Because this is interesting you brought, bring this up because I feel like you're really sexy. Like they say that like when you're in a room, I feel like all eyes are on you. And when you speak, people are like, whoa. And you, you brought up the um, acceptance thing because I feel like it was very easy for me to open up to you because mm -hmm. I just felt safe with you, like very mm -hmm. like, um, in terms of like, I can tell you anything and then you wouldn't like use it against me type of thing. Cause it's like, you've been through so much. So I yeah. feel okay sharing with you. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I think physically speaking, it does permeate through throughout like our life. Like, you know, how do you compensate for being short? How do you compensate for it? Cause I don't feel like I'm the prettiest girl either, you know? And it's like, how but can you're we beautiful. Use you're gorgeous. Oh, thank you. It's plastic surgery. Um, highly recommend it <laughs> for every, anyone. No, but seriously, I feel like, you know what I mean? Cause, um, uh, <laughs> cause I did get a little bit of work done. Um, I think it's pretty obvious. I don't have to say what you guys can figure it out. Um, but I feel like just who you are is so attractive and you have four kids. So it's like, obviously it's like you are doing something to attract all this business, all of this. Um, because I feel like, um, you know, Napoleon Hill's, uh, think and grow rich. He yes. talks about like sex transmutation, right? So only somebody who's highly, uh, sex energy. How do I say this? Like very attractive and very like fun and charismatic can do well in business also. Yes, so yes. It's just like, you have that good energy that I really love. And I think a lot of people would benefit from that. So thank you for sharing about like the charm of it. And I also read somewhere like, our human brain is so big that endangers women because mm -hmm. we're attracted to big brains, right? So it's like, you already mm -hmm. have that big brain, just learn how to use it. So thank you for yeah, sharing. Yeah, I that. mean, I think people just think the obvious, they just think pretty. and society's picture of what pretty is, it's boring. Mm -hmm. It's all mm -hmm. the same. Yes. And, mm -hmm. you know, I look at, and I'm going to tell you one family, Kim Kardashian, you know, I was going to mention her. All <laughs> of them are gorgeous. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, you know, because of their genes, they mm -hmm. did right. People get on them because they'll say, oh, they're so stupid. They don't, they don't have substance. They're not smart. Fuck smarts when you got the look that they got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like who get like who gives a damn? You so rich you can get people to do whatever the hell you want to exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah, they leverage. Yeah. <laughs> they yes. leverage what they had. Yes. Chris did a great fucking job. Mm -hmm. And people think, oh, you know, they're so this, that, and the third. She strategically set all her kids up. Yes. Five houses yes. in LA. Thank so you. So if something yes. goes wrong, we will downsize. You will move in with her. We will cash out mm. on that baby and we mm. will have this one. She strategized everything for her girls yes. and boys. Thank you. And I'm telling you, people don't see the bigger picture. Her fucking ovaries is a business. <laughs> Do you see that meme? Like, there's a meme um, with, like, um, Mark Zuckerberg said, I made Facebook, and then Elon Musk say, I made Tesla, and then uh, on the bottom, it was uh, Kris Jenner. She said, I made Kylie, bitch. So that's, right, like... exactly. Right? <laughs> this is what I tell people all the time. Find out what your advantage is. My advantages used to make me fucking sick, but mm. my advantages made me who I am. They made me stand out amongst everybody else. They made people say, yes, I want her. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. So um, what advice would you give to somebody like first starting out in real estate? The advice that I would give someone who is first starting out in real estate is understand who you are and how you move and how you operate. Because I told you all from the beginning, I lost a lot of money because I was very emotional. In mm. real estate, you're not going to know everything about yourself when you start. You're not going to know everything about real estate. But what I need people to know is one thing. What are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? Whatever is a weakness for you, and you'll know it's a weakness because you don't want to do it. You almost mm. have to force yourself to do it, or you just don't know shit about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Whatever is a weakness, I need for you to compensate for that weakness. If you got money, hire somebody. If you got money, learn how to do it enough that whenever you hire somebody, you don't have to hire someone to do everything. You know a little bit, so just get them to do the parts that you don't want to do, but you're mm -hmm. still involved. Or you can hire somebody to do it all, okay? Mm -hmm. And you decide what part of real estate you really enjoy the most. If you mm -hmm. don't like people, don't become a fucking landlord because you're going to mm -hmm. have to deal with people. Okay, in your home, in court, outside of court, in your office, you are going to have to deal with people. You got to like people. Even if you get a property manager, you will find out in mm. real estate, you have to manage the fucking manager because they'll steal your fucking money. Mm. Okay, um, if you like to negotiate, you like to talk. I love to negotiate. <laughs> like when I'm negotiating, it's almost orgasmic, seriously. Mm. When I know wow. that a person will not sell me their property for this price, and when we get to the closing, I get the price mm -hmm. not that I want, that my client wants, and they mm -hmm. love me long time. And every mm -hmm. time they talk about a house, they spit my name out. Like mm. that is orgasmic, okay? Wow. Um, if you like to negotiate, then build a seller's list because you got to sell yourself to list their house and then you have to find someone to buy their house. So you're constantly negotiating your way to the closing table. Mm. If you are a likable person, personality looks, then build you a buyer's list because you mm. will automatically attract people because of your energy and your looks. Mm. This okay. is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. Yeah. These are easy things that you can do to get into real estate. You need a buyer's list. You need a seller's list. You need a computer or a, um, or an iPhone or a library card. So you can get in the library and use their computer. Okay. Um, you gotta have organization skills. I didn't have that when I started real estate. So a lot of the transactions that I did were one time I wasn't building residual business because mm -hmm. I didn't keep in contact with nobody. I let people go right into somebody else's hands because I wasn't taking care of them. So mm -hmm. if you don't know how to organize, find somebody who can do a spreadsheet. Okay. Mm -hmm. Create a system. Use Trello. Keep your, or keep your information in one area. So as soon as you get a listing, you can start promoting to buyers. As soon mm -hmm. as you get a buyer, you can start promoting to investors match these people up. You remember you were in the second and third grade, you got to match the block. Mm -hmm. Real yeah. estate is no different. All you're doing is solving problems by bringing people together who have a common interest in the same problem. Mm. God, this is so good. You're giving us a book here. I feel like if we just transcribe it, we can sell it as a book. That's amazing. <laughs> but you guys get her book. Her book is called fuck. Can you tell a little bit about your book? Also, sure. I think it's really good. Yeah. Okay. So I have a book called Fuck Stuff. It's in Amazon. You can go to Amazon.com. Um, it's also on Nook Kindle. Um, and Fuck Stuff was 30 situations that I've gone through. And trust me, they have been uh, life and business situations. And I pretty much wrote the book as a journal because I want to help unlock a person's brain because we oftentimes mention that we're stuck and every time you say it you become stuck but you're not stuck it's either you are afraid to do something you don't want to do something you don't like to do something but none of us are stuck none of us mm -hmm. because if you don't make a decision one will be made for you and i'm sure you've heard that mm -hmm. and that decision that's made for you is not always going to be a decision in your best interest so fuck stuff is definitely a read it's a short read that i would suggest everybody to read and my second book just dropped um this year 2019 it's called ax nikita and so that book is also in uh barnes and nobles and ax nikita is really a book filled with questions i've been asked over a four-year period about life and business and so people don't understand that asking questions is the key to you opening up is the key to you moving forward. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times when we ask questions, we mm -hmm. give people more information than they need to know. They mm -hmm. know more about us than we know about them. And they use that against us. Mm -hmm. You're giving so people true. 
ammunition when you are given too much information. So I share with you how to ask questions and what way to ask those questions. And I also share with you some experiences and responses of questions that I've been asked and questions I've answered. So good. And um, do you own all your homes in Baltimore or are they spread out across the country? Like how? how do I, you do not, I, I do not <laughs> own all my homes in Baltimore. I invest. I've only invested in Baltimore. I don't own all my homes. Some of them are joint venture homes, meaning I'm with, I'm with other investors. Um, some of them I have done subleasing. So it means I don't own the home outright, but I have contract, um, um, contracted, contracted the option that I can rent it out to somebody else and I fixed it up. And we put something like a carpenter's lien on the person's home so if they try to sell it they have to pay me first prior to them actually selling the property so i get really creative on how i do my deals that's awesome so um would you advise people to invest in baltimore because i feel like baltimore doesn't have the greatest pr so as somebody who's living there like what are your honest thoughts about it Baltimore is a great place to invest long term. There is a lot of crime here. Yeah. I think the media yeah. makes it worse than what it is, but there is a lot of crime here. And I'm going to tell you something. Crime is money. Hmm. Why do you say I, that? <laughs> well, you said, why do I say that? Yeah, why? Uh -huh. Because they are going to dismantle these areas that are crime written. And these, and, and these areas that are crime-ridden are great investment areas for people to capitalize on because mm. they're going to move all the bad stuff out and they're going to be moving better stuff in to bring the neighborhoods in because we need people to continue to, 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 to put money in Baltimore. They're not going to keep it, you know, the way that it is. They're going to be forcing some people out. And that's mm -hmm. going to bring down property values, which is going to allow you to buy properties at a really great price. Now, let me tell you, those areas are not for me because I'm getting a little bit older. Mm -hmm. So I'm mm -hmm. getting a more, I'm getting more, um, uh, what, do you, what, what do I want? I, don't, I wanted to say sophisticated, but that's not the word. Um, conservative, that's the mm -hmm. word. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a little bit more conservative in my investment. So I'm really only investing in areas that are $75,000 and up. That may not seem high, but $75,000 of an investment can afford me a property that's somewhere between two, $180,000, $250,000, $250,000. You know, that's a starter home for middle-class uh, individuals. Mm -hmm. So other people, when they first invest, when I first invested, we're buying five, 10, 15, $20,000 homes, which mm -hmm. are homes under a thousand I mean under a hundred thousand dollars and there are more homes that you can rent than homes that people want to actually buy and live mm -hmm. in so if you're going to hold it when you first start to invest you're almost putting yourself in the position of becoming a landlord whether you want to or not mm -hmm. you have to flip that house if you're not willing or wanting to buy and hold it if you want to build capital Mm -hmm. and start your real estate business that way. But if you buy a house, you put the sweat equity in it, meaning you fix it up mm -hmm. and then you rent it out, that's all fine and dandy too. But if you're not using your money, you're going to have time restraints against you because they want their money back during a specific time period. Mm -hmm. And you're forced to try to find a buyer, try to find, I mean, try to find contractors to get that work done. All of this, got to be done in a certain time frame so this is the reason why i said in the beginning you need to have all these things in place so that you can meet your time frames sell your houses fast um find a tenant fast and that you stay ahead of your investment business and not fall behind man that's such good advice and um let's uh Let's bring it back to maybe a little bit the lighter side of things. Cause it's like, you have mm -hmm. such good stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's like, but it's like, um, I want to ask this since the beginning. I was just waiting for the time. Like, what do you find? What do you find funny? In real estate or just in general? Yeah, real estate, anything in general. Cause you have such a good sense of humor. I want to know like, what, <laughs> you do seriously, you do. 
Um, what do I find normal people funny? Hmm. I find normal people funny because normal people, uh, to me, are abnormal. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> You're right. Um, you know, where they find, um, have a wife and a husband and 2.5 kids, white pick a fence and a dog. I don't see that. Hmm. I, I don't see that. I mean, the way that prices are in America, I think everybody, it should be three parent families. <laughs> that would be great. That actually would be great. That's a great idea. I see. I see a husband and a husband and a wife or a wife and a wife and a husband or three Heck wives yeah. or three husbands. Heck yeah. <laughs> I agree. I feel like I should be like, uh, I wouldn't want like three husbands. I'm stealing this from Tiffany Haddish, but she said like, um, okay, okay, this is my thought. Okay. I want an Asian husband to make the money for me. And uh -huh. I want um, a Latino one for like construction <laughs> building the house. And I want like, Black husband for sex, and I want uh -huh. another one for, uh, what, what other one is there? White, white one for, I guess, I don't know, privilege. That's, that's what they're good at, right? Right? That's, that's, that's what I would want. But that's I'm funny, so, <laughs> yeah, sorry? No, no, I'm, uh, no, Leela, like, I'm dead serious. <laughs> like, the economy is so freaking high, two parents, families <laughs> yeah. is just, I mean, mm. it's almost like, it's almost not working anymore. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm down for polygamy if I'm paid. I mean, you can have multiple wives. I don't care as long as you give me the money and I can do whatever I want. That's you funny. know, I, listen, I am down for what works for people. people. <laughs> yeah. Because I know when people are happy, we have a better existence. Economy, mm -hmm. social, it all gets better. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And um, do you have any favorite comedians? Lee Lynn. <laughs> yeah, all right. You're the only person to just say me when I ask them, like, hey, who do you find funny besides me? And they never answer it the right way, which is the way that you answered, right? So well, I'm going to tell you this. I am, I, I don't watch stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't watch stand-up comedy, and I told you in the beginning when you told me you were going in this direction that you were going to fucking kill it. Why? Because people will not see you coming. Because when I first met you, yeah. I mean, you're, you're so different. Me. Yeah, I was so different. Right. You just seem dry, but you are so fucking down to earth that it's freaking amazing. And I think they're going to sleep on that, and you're going to assassinate their asses. Oh, so I'm you. not, you know, I'm not a stand-up girl. I will watch uh, movies that are funny. But if I had to choose my favorite comedian, it's Lee Lynn. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much. <laughs> wow, this warms my heart. Open mic to go to right after this. So I have to revise the material to make it better. But thank you so much. So um, how can we get in contact with you? How can we work with you? What's your website? Um, how can we stalk you? Okay, so uh, my website is fuckstuff.com. I am on Facebook, Nikita McDaniel. I'm on Twitter, Nikita McDaniel. I'm on Twitter as Fearless Living. Also, IG, Nikita McDaniel. TikTok, I am Nikita McDaniel. Ooh. Snapchat, I am um, Nikita McDaniel um, or Fearless Living. Um, and I think, and, and, um, and LinkedIn, I am Nikita McDaniel. So I have all of those um, those platforms going for me and on those platforms they can also find a lot of different information please slide up in my dms i do yeah. not mind yeah uh, my, slide up <laughs> dm stands for do not mind i do not I mind love it. Sliding in, um, <laughs> my dms please go out and you know get the book fuck suck you can read a little bit of it before you purchase it um so as as well with uh ask nikita you can read a little bit of that before you purchase it. I am so fucking down to earth, like literally. Yes, you, you can are. pretty much yes. message mm -hmm. me and I will message back. I don't care about fame. What I do care about is helping people get to know them prior to the world knowing them. And I classify wow. that as the business of self. Mm. We are our first 
business. We yes. will be forever learning who we are. I often say about me, I can't speak for other people. I will never make it. The moment I say I have made it is when I have lost it. Mm. Because if I'm not evolving and this world is evolving, I'm behind. Mm -hmm. It's not about, it's not about um, keeping, keeping up or catching up. It's all about staying up. Mm. It's about us getting to know us. And when we know us, we're able to love, we're able to expand, we're able to help and assist other people the way we want to be treated. The world is so mean because they don't know themselves, so they don't know how to treat mm. other people. You're so right. So I think the audience is following, falling in love with you. I'm falling in love with you. So oh. please visit her website, fuckstuck.com. Nikita McDaniel, thank you so much for being on you're this podcast. You're welcome. You're one of the best guests ever. I always love it um, <laughs> when you're speaking, video, all that stuff. Work with her if she allows you to, if she deems you worthy in her eyes, okay? But please um, go to our website, do yourself a favor, educate yourself financially in terms of real estate or just, you know, knowing your best self. Um, thank you again so much. I really appreciate this. And uh, I'll see you soon. All right. Bye-bye. So I stopped the recording. Okay. Um,